Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book Workshop. In this episode, two recovered alcoholics break down one chapter of the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous line by line. Find out more at ladiesbigbook.com. Thank you for listening. Marguerite, alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is um, November of 89, and I'm super grateful. And, um, but, um, and we'll try to read more than I talk because, because I got to kind of have to power through a bit. Uh, okay. So I love this chapter, chapter four, we agnostics and also feel free. This is, I, I know I want to say this, if anybody's ever asked to do this meeting or another meeting and you get all nervous, um, you know, I felt like it was kind of God that whispered in my ear, not necessarily this time, but the last time, cause I was all nervous and I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to say? And God was like, just show up. Just show up and read, make mistakes, Marguerite, you know, like, let me be there, you know, like, so I say that to anybody, just show up. We're just a bunch of drunks. Okay. And I'm going to share what I know and what I don't know. I'm probably going to forget some things and wish I had said some things. I hope God intervenes and has me drop some really great knowledge for y'all, but mostly it's this book. And here's something I do want to tell with you, tell you guys real quick. And I, I'm going to try to talk pretty good. <laughs> Bob didn't have a big book. The first 88 didn't have a big book. So your sobriety isn't contingent on this book. Now, what's great is like, and I'm gonna, just going to use this as an example. I'm really grateful I live right now where there's tampons and toilets and microwave ovens and the things that we have. I'm really grateful that we live at a time where we have a big book. But know that your sobriety doesn't matter on this book, okay? And it doesn't matter on this chapter. Now, I was prejudiced because I came in with a God. Now, here's, the, here's something else I want to teach you guys. Alcoholism has nothing to do with whether you came in with God or you hate God or you, you have God or you don't have God or any of that. And, and, but this chapter is, again, it's part of the kind of the buffet that they've left us. It's kind of one of the, the messages in the bottle, okay, um, which we are really grateful for. So um, alcoholism is a disease, and that's one of the things. There's a lot of, like, mic drops in this chapter that I love. And um, I was prejudiced about it because I came in with God and I thought, well, we agnostics and I'm ADD and I don't like to read a whole lot. So I'm like, no, nope, I don't need that chapter because I think this chapter is about getting me to believe there's a God. Well, I already believe there's a God, so I don't need to read it. No, it's actually not. And I, um, God put this speaker tape in my life. His name was Bill Wilson. Um, not, not the Bill Wilson, but Father Bill Wilson. And he was a cat, Irish Catholic priest. And he tells part of his story is his sponsor, he said my, in his Irish accent, he would say my sponsor who had ginger hair and a ginger beard um, had took, taken human life, blah, blah, blah. He said, asked me, he said, have you read the chapter to the We Agnostics? And he says, well, you know what I do for a living? And he's like, read the effing chapter to We Agnostics, he says, because you think you know what it says. And it doesn't. This book is about, this chapter is about getting you to wonder. That's it. He says, so wonder, is there a God? Because there's a lot of great things in this world. He said, or wonder, is there not a God? Because there's a lot of horrible things in this world. He said, but it's about getting us to wonder. And it's about getting us to lay down um, prejudice, which is so funny because I'm on a Zoom call on my phone and I looked up the, the definition here. Let's see if I can look it up. Um, it's, I'm like, Marguerite, it's on your phone. So if you pick it up, they're going to be like a really bad angle. Um, so funny. I hate Zoom. I get so vain with Zoom. Anyway, prejudice, it means uh, per- perceived judgment or opinion and adverse opinion or leaning formed without or leaning formed without just grounds or before sufficient knowledge. An instance. So it's, it's without sufficient knowledge. Also, the definition of agnosticism. Gnosticism. Is it Gnostic? Gnostic means knowledge and ag means without. So um, agnostic means without knowledge. So, okay, so back to this. Um, Okay, so there's that. And then, um, so I'm going to start reading. um, Love this first paragraph. Okay, in the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. We hope you have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. So all the pages is about 53 pages before this page that's going to talk tell you what alcoholism is and what it isn't. Now, this is life-saving for me, and especially these two facts that follow. If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, which is our mind, 
or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, which is the allergy, you are probably alcoholic. Now, what's funny is Bill kept this very simple, and it really wasn't Bill. The fact is that there's only two things that make us different. There's only two things that make us alcoholic, the fact that we have an allergy and we have a mind. Now, they came out with a pamphlet that had 10 questions. Then that 10 questions turned to 15 questions. Then that 15 questions turned to 20. You might be an alcoholic if, which is kind of like you might be a redneck if. And the thing is, is that I... I remember looking, my sponsor took me to this paragraph when I first met with her to qualify me. She said, so when you honestly want to, can you find you can't quit entirely or when you when drinking, you have a little control over the amount you take. And I looked at her and I started talking to her about that while I answered 13 out of 20 questions. And she just rolled her eyes and she was just like, oh my gosh, you know, not at me, but just how we get away from it and how we complicated it. It's not, it's very simple. Um, okay. So, um, so if in, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. If, you, if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic. And that's it. Now, this is huge because most people think that you're alcoholic. If you lose your job, you get divorced, you get some DWIs. You know, there's, alcohol, there's people who are not alcoholic that are under bridges drinking out of paper sacks. They can, stop, they can do things that we can't, which is they can stop if they really wanted to. There's people who absolutely don't look alcoholic. They have all, all the money in the world, all the friends and family and blah, 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 blah. And they're living a silent terror at night, like drinking in their closet. And nobody knows they're alcoholic. And there's only two things that make them that alcoholic, which is they can't quit entirely. That doesn't mean they can't stop. It means they can't stay stopped. And, um, and when drinking, they have little control over the amount they take. And that's progressive. The allergy gets worse. Okay, to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. Sorry, did I finish that? If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. To one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible, but to continue as he is means disaster, especially if she is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Here's your step one, alcoholic death or spiritual basis. And this is always humorous to us, I think, because we're always like, hmm, I don't know. Death seems pretty inviting. <laughs> Did anybody ever go, I'm not giving up alcohol. I'd rather die. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, so, but it isn't so difficult, but it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. Yep. But after a while, we had to face the fact we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it is going to be that way with you. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheist or agnostic. Our experience shows that we need not be disconcerted. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to avoid alcoholism, many of us would have recovered a long time ago. Anybody relate to um, better morals or trying to relive, live and be better moral and, and try to fix your alcoholism that way would have recovered a long time ago. But we found that such code and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. Anybody in the tried category? We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might. I love those words. But the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources as marshaled by the will, our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Now, we have a disease. This is kind of like trying to fix pneumonia or like, yeah, the flu, trying to be better, uh, you know, like better philosophically and moral and just and wishing and exerting yourself even more. But most of us walk around not even knowing that we have a disease. We just think we have like a failing and we, we just try harder. And we have these moments where we can stop and we think, see, I finally did it. And then that like goes to hell and we hit a wall. We're like, oh, shit. Okay. Lack of power. That was our dilemma. Mic drop. We had to find a power by which we could live and it had to be a power greater than ourselves obviously but where and how are we to find this power 
Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Um, little footnote there. Um, I thought when they said you solve your problem, they were talking about drinking. They're not, but we'll go into that later. That means we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well, well as moral. <clears throat> and it means, of course, that we are going to talk about God. Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. Many times we talk to a new, man, a new woman and watch her hopes rise as we discuss the alcoholic's problems and explain our fellowship. But her face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. If we have reopened a subject which our, which our woman thought she had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. We, we know how she feels. We have shared this honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of, of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular concept conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. Um, a lot of us, whether you had God or you didn't have God, um, prayed to God in our foxholes. Please, if you ever get this out of me, like when we were being pulled over by a cop, the red lights, I'll do anything, just get me out of this, you know. Um, so there was there was something. We also had the faith. I always I loved this example that I heard from this AA speaker, and I use this as my example. Like, I knew the alcohol was in my glove compartment in my car. So I knew when I was getting out of class that day, I, and, and, it, and all of a sudden I was okay. Cause I knew where I was headed. I, and like I had the faith um, or you, you might just know, I'm, Hey, I'm going to the, 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 the liquor store after, after I get off work. And all of a sudden it's like, we become at ease, you know, or just knowing that idea. Like we have the faith. It's just, it hasn't been used yet. If in case you happen to have that idea of like, I, I, if I need faith, I don't have it. Um, everything you have, You've been doing, you've just been doing it with the counterfeit version of God, which is our alcohol. Okay. Now, the rejection, imagine we had abandoned the God of died. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? Again, when I was saying earlier, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that may might, might make you want to believe there's no god, and there's a lot of stuff. So again, it's about wondering. Supreme being have to do with it all, and who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? One of my most favorite things in the world are sunsets. There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Yes, we have agnostic temperament, have had these thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice, which is our conceived idea, and the book has already asked us, are we willing to lay aside our old ideas? And it, and when we're kind of beaten by queen king alcohol, we're like, yeah, I'll, I'm willing to set it aside and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves. We commence to get results. So it's not asking us to, it's just, it's not even asking us to believe. It's just asking us, are we willing to believe? Even though it is impossible for any of us to be fully, to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. So again, this book, if anybody is like me and thought this was going to, it was going to tell you here, we want you to believe this. It's not, this doesn't tell you what to believe. It just gets you to wonder. Much to our relief, this book never tells you how to believe in this power. It just tells you there's this power and we're going to use this word God to, to talk about it. Much to our relief, we discover we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to affect a contact with him. And I know um, a lot of people, myself included, um, not so much this time around, um, could go and write qualities they would like in a power greater than themselves, a higher power. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe, underlying the totality of things, 
We began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps, the 12 steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. I love that line. I just love that line. It's like, oh, thanks, because my head kind of makes a mountain out of most things, especially this stuff. Thank God for this book. Thank God for sponsors so that my mind and thank God for the desperation that helps me go. The more desperate I am, that voice inside my head that talks me out of things or comes up with its own ideas or, or prejudices, I'll just say, gets really super quiet. It's there, and, but I'm just so can't really kind of hear it. I'm just like, whatever she's saying, because I want what she has. Okay. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, and inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. And that's what this is about. It's about seeking. If you remember the ABCs, it says that, that we were alcoholic, could manage our own lives, that God, um, that a power greater than ourselves, that no human power could, and that God could and would if he were sought, sought, seek. It is open, and we believe, to all, all men and women. When therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies to... This applies too to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. At the start, this was all we needed to commit spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood Him. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. This chapter like many chapters, but especially this chapter, I was talking to my sponsor this morning about it. And she said, you know, uh, it's really a chapter that makes a whole lot more sense once you've been through the steps, but it's a great step. It's just a great chapter. It's one of the most like to think that I almost missed this chapter because I thought it was just about getting me to believe there's a God. And it's so not, it has so much in it anyway. Also in about, um, I think like after a couple pages ago, it stops, this book stops talking about alcohol and can commences to talk about the steps in God and getting you connected to that God. Okay. So accepting many things, which we seemed entirely out of reach, that was growth. But if we wish to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, <clears throat> whatever you guys think. And, and what, and it's as little as you could borrow somebody's higher power. If you are miserable and you are just so like beaten by alcohol and you're just reaching out and you're just like, okay, my sponsor, I want what she has, but I don't believe in God. But I know that you're willing to believe there's something working in her life. That's it. However limited it was. And here's your step two question. So we needed to ask ourselves, but one short question, do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a woman can say she does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure her she is on her way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. It's literally like, are you, it, it can even be unwilling to be willing to be willing to be willing to believe there's a power greater in ourselves. It's just, if you can come off zero, one fraction um, and however that looks, um, and the, the more our step one is a reality to us, the more we have been beaten by alcohol, the more we are, have been licked by us trying to do this thing, the more open-minded we are, the more we're like, yeah, and that's all, that's all that's needed. And I love this. Cause when I, when I do a step two with a sponsee, I just go, okay, are you even willing to believe that there's a power greater than yourself? And they say, yes. And I go, I emphatically assure you, you're on your way. Let's move on. And we go on. Again, remember, this book wasn't around. People work the steps without this book. You don't need this book, but this book is just fun. And Well, it's our recipes. It's our recipe book. Effective spiritual food can be built. Did I read that part? It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, there's your cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. Okay. So the cornerstone if your foundation sucks, you pretty much might as well not build. So um, they're just going to, that's just, okay. So I don't know what else to say on that. That was, that was great news for us where we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith, which seemed difficult to believe. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, 
I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as she believes. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so explained to her. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Um, besides a seemingly inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, sensitiveness, and, unreason uh, and unreasoning prejudice. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned or set aside. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with there we go. First step, faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. The reader may still ask why she should believe in a power greater than ourselves. We think there are good reasons. Let us have a look at some of them. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they are firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this readily acceptance? Simply because it is impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. Everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there is good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? Excuse me. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? It is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. To illustrate, the prosaic steel grinder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at an incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true with, throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logis logistic logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence right there. Our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set aside, excuse me, set out to conceive ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing and means nothing and proceeds nowhere. And um, myself included, a lot of people think this. Um, when we reach alcoholic destruction, we get super open-minded. And during this part, um, if, 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 well, well, thinking that you, I've, I've got to think that there's a whole lot of people wrong in this world and that I'm right. And if you pause and you look around and you're like, well, but my life's not working and I can't stop drinking. And I'm sitting over here just really like all these religious people or all these, whatever you want to call them, spiritual people who believe in a God have to be wrong for me to be right. And I'm not looking like my life's working, but theirs is just kind of like a, you might want to ponder that, Marguerite. And I've done that before in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm like thinking I'm right and all these people are wrong, but guess what? They're happy and living lives I would like to live. And I wasn't. But boy, I was right, wasn't I? So I could be right all I wanted, but I was really starting to get, I starting to see that right didn't work. Okay. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, super spearheads of God's ever advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists choose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end of all. Rather vain of us, wasn't it? <laughs> Love that. We who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice, even against organized religion. We have learned that whatever our human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. 
people of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no reasonable conception, whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practice practices when we might have observed that many spiritually minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness, which we should have sought ourselves. So that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. If I look at the, these people's lives, they, they have something that I want that I don't have, even though, um, so kind of might open my mind to that. Instead, we looked at the human defects of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. Um, definitely been guilty of that. And um, in our book, and I've been to a lot of step two meetings and I've heard a lot of people and I've even chimed in at certain times of my recovery where I was like, you know, where I bad talked and criticized whether it was Catholicism, baptism, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But bottom line, it was the people and their mistakes. And I promise you, I could find a lot of things wrong with this world, but look, look where I'm looking and look how I'm judging and look how it's not serving me and it's not serving them. But this book bottom line tells us to look and see where they are right. Anyway, um, I'm kind of getting to where I need to hand it off to Sarah. Is she here? Hello? Yes, can you hear me? Okay, awesome. Can I, can I hand the yeah. baton over to you? Yeah, sounds great. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Uh, I love what you said about Father Bill Wilson. That's awesome. Uh, so, hi, my name is Sarah. Uh, I'm from Dallas, but I'm calling in from Colorado, so that's pretty cool. Um, uh, uh, and so uh, I'll start with, in our personal stories, you will find wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than herself. Whether we agree with a particular or approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which for our purpose, we need not be worried. They are questions for each individual to settle for herself. And uh, there's uh, so much freedom in that and the barn door is so wide open on that. I, I came uh, at the idea of AA with a, with a lot of prejudice I'd already tried church, I'd already tried praying, I'd tried this and I tried that. So I really didn't need we agnostics because I was sort of done with the God idea. And I don't think that um, I'm unique in that at all. I, I figure probably about half of us come with some sort of uh, faith idea and half of us come just I tried God and God didn't sober me up. So, uh, so never mind that. I need something different. I need something different. So this, um, this idea that they are questions for each individual to settle for herself was a big relief for me because it says on one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. Every one of them, that's a promise, all of us, every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than herself. This power has in each case accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. Everything I tried to get sober. Uh, I'm going to manage my drinking by only buying six instead of uh, a case of beer. Or I'm going to manage my drinking by trying water, coffee, beer. Like everything I tried to control my drinking failed. It was all humanly impossible. So then my big idea was, well, I just won't have any at all. Uh, the other half of step one, the mental obsession. But it says, as the celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, and to do certain simple things. And the simple things are working these steps. It's the 12 steps. It's the spiritual principles and the steps. These are simple things. It never promises me that this program is going to be easy, which 
I've noticed alcoholics, we tend to be hard workers. And I suppose if you're going to drink and also do anything, you have to be able to work pretty hard. We're, we're smart and we work hard. That was never the problem. That was human will trying to fix something medical. And so this, um, this idea that if I'm not powerful enough, if my love of my family isn't powerful enough, if my love of my job, I love my job. I did not love alcohol more than my job or my family or my child. It's just that I wasn't powerful enough to leave the, to leave the drinking alone. I need a big power that can fix what I can't and what my love for all these other things can't make stop. So it says we have to do certain things. There has been a revolutionary change in their way of thinking and, and living and thinking in the face of collapse and despair. And that's the place where I had to go. Uh, that idea that there was a bottom I would hit and magically be able to get sober or, or get my act together, it never happened. In the face of collapse and despair, I drank more. I didn't have the power to do anything else. In the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. If I'm going to work my first AA meeting, the very lovely women who talked to me said, um, uh, there's no AA buffet. You're in or you're out. This is a program. It's not, uh, it's a suggested program, not a program of suggestions. So when I decided to jump into AA, get a sponsor, get a book, get to work, um, I had to go in whole hog. I had to listen to what that sentence says and meet all the simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, and I'll tell you what, me trying to quit drinking was futile. That's the mental obsession. I can't fight it. And all of my attempts to fight that mental obsession, I just, I just couldn't be strong enough. So it says they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. And to me, that felt like um, I can't be sober and miserable. I can barely keep it together, drunk and miserable, but but living sober and miserable, it's not going to happen. I can't do it. Um, I'd rather uh, jump off a, a jump off a bridge like like I can't. So if I can't drink and I can't not drink, what am I going to do? They show how the change came over them, and that's working the steps in order straight out of the book for me. That's exactly how it went down. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. They present a powerful reason why one should have faith. And uh, just in step two, to be willing to believe that maybe if it worked for hundreds of people or thousands of people or whatever, maybe it'll work for me. This world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than in all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history tell us that the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today. Yet in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research, and innovation was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought a round earth preposterous. Others came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. We asked ourselves this, are not some of us just as biased and unreasonable about the realm of the spirit as were the ancients about the realm of the material? Even in the present century, American newspapers were afraid to print an account of the Wright brothers' first successful flight at Kitty Hawk, had not all efforts at flight failed before. So that's kind of like me. Every uh, attempt at a spiritual way of life prior to AA had failed, so I was afraid to try. And 
my sponsor just said, well, are you willing to believe? And I said, I think I said, I'm willing to believe monkeys will fly out of my butt. And she laughed and said, okay, good enough. That's step two. Let's make a decision to do this. And I was like, groovy, because that's, that's the best I can scrape together. It said, uh, did not Professor Langley's flying machine go to the bottom of the Potomac River? Was it not true that the best mathematical minds had proved man could never fly? Had not people said God had reserved this privilege to the birds? Only 30 years later, the conquest of the air was almost an old story, and airplane travel was in full swing. This story was pretty important to me. Uh, Professor Langley was a brilliant engineer who had just done the math and knew how to fly. And the newspapers were there and people were standing on the bridge and bloop, his airplane went straight into the river. What he knew through math was going to fly, didn't. Then a couple of bicycle mechanics, the Wright brothers, who just believed in themselves they just built a plane, Kitty Hawk, and pushed it down a hill and flew. Like it was all in the faith and not in the math. So I just figured, well, I'll just believe in the, in the steps in the book and not in the math of all the statistics that I have that this isn't going to work for me and just give it a shot. So I decided um, I'll just be childishly faithful uh, like those Wright brothers. But it says, but in most fields, uh, our generation has wit witnessed complete liberation of our thinking. Show any longshoreman a Sunday supplement describing a proposal to explore the moon by means of a rocket, and he will say, I bet they do it. Maybe not so long either. As, has not our age uh, is not our age characterized by the ease with which we discuss discard old ideas for new by the complete readiness with which we throw away the theory or gadget which does not work for something new which does my flip phone had to get rid of it guess what my iphone i can see all of you how cool so it's kind of like just that open-mindedness was all i needed to find all that uh, laying aside of prejudice was all i needed to do for step two we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of useful, uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people was not a basic solution to these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight. Of course it was. I kind of thought alcoholism was defined by DUIs and divorces and lost jobs and material stuff, but it's not. It's this internal stuff, these bedevilments. I was scared all the time. I was unhappy. I couldn't do a good job at work. Um, I was miserable. I was depressed. That's what step one, the internal condition feels like. We're not separated by, well, I can't be an, I can't be an alcoholic. I don't have DUI. I thought that. It's, it's the internal. When we saw others solve their problems by a simple reliance upon the spirit of the universe, we had to stop doubting the power of God. Our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. The Wright brothers' almost childish faith that they could build a machine which would fly was the mainspring of their accomplishment. Without that, nothing could have happened. We agnostics and atheists were sticking to the idea that self-sufficiency solves our problems. When others showed us that God's sufficiency worked with them, we began to feel like those who had insisted the rights would never fly. Logic is great stuff. We liked it. We still like it. It is not by chance that we were given the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses, and to draw conclusions. My sponsor is lit up with happiness, and I want that. The man that brought me to AA was happy. He was sober, and he was happy about it. That's, that was weird to me. And so to see that, that is one man's magnificent attributes. We agnostically inclined would not feel satisfied with a proposal which does not lend itself to reasonable approach and interpretation. Hence, 
we are at pains to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable, why we think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe, why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we throw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know. When we became alcoholics crushed by a self-imposed crisis we could not postpone or evade, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. That was our choice. Uh, what was our choice to be? And for me personally, that choice was the third step choice to just work the steps and see what happens, man. Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. That was natural. <clears throat> But let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? Or did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we dis discovered that faith had been involved all the time. I had faith that if I showed up at the liquor store, there'd be liquor to buy. I had faith that if I called my dad on the phone, you know, it, it, the phone would work. I had faith in a lot of stuff. All I needed was to hope that that faith would work and work in the steps and see what happens. We found, too, that we had been worshipers. <clears throat> that uh, What a state of mental goose, goose flesh that used to bring on. Had we not variously worshipped people, every boyfriend who I thought was going to sober me up, that's, that's me. Sentiment, things, money, if I had enough money, if I could just clean out my garage, ourselves, and then with a better motive, had we not worshipfully beheld the sunset, the sea, or a flower, who of us had not loved something or somebody? How much did these feelings, these loves, these worships have to do with pure reason? Little or nothing, they saw at last. Were not these things the tissue out of which our lives were constructed? Did not these feelings, after all, determine the course of our existence? It was impossible to say that we had no capacity for faith or love or worship. In one form or another, we had been living by faith and little else. Imagine life without faith. Were nothing left but pure reason, it wouldn't be life. But we believed in life. Of course we did. We could not prove life in the sense that you can prove a straight line is the shortest distance between two points. Yet there it was. Could we still say the whole thing was nothing but a mass of electrons created out of nothing, meaning nothing, whirling on the de destiny of nothingness? Of course we couldn't. These electrons themselves seem more intelligent than that. At least so the chemist said. Hence we saw that reason isn't everything, neither is reason, as most of us use it, entirely dependable, though it emanate from our best minds. What about people who prove that man could never fly? Um, there's a lot of good math that bumblebees and helicopters can't fly, but they do. Yet we had been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world. People who rose above their problems, they said God made these things possible, and we only smiled we had seen spiritual release, but liked to tell ourselves it wasn't true. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. That's a great promise. I didn't believe in any of this stuff until step 11. 
what I can tell you was that I was hopeful that this was true. And that was plenty to get started on the steps. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality down within us. In the last analysis, it was only there that he may be found. And so, uh, and it was so with us. We can only clear the ground a bit. If our testimony helps sweep away prejudice, enables you to think honestly, and encourages you to search diligently within yourself, if you wish, you can join us on the broad highway. With this attitude, you cannot fail. The consciousness of your belief is sure to come to you. I wanted that promise so much. With this attitude, you cannot fail. If I just work as hard at these steps as I did trying to be a good mom, as I did at my job, as I did trying to accomplish a million other things in my life, maybe I'm going to get to there, to this beautiful place they're talking about, where I'm going to get a minute of peace. In this book, you will read <clears throat> the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. I, I think uh, from my perspective, the change in the spiritual experience for me was slow and tiny and almost imperceptible. But I will tell you this, to, from my family's perspective, the change in me was dramatic, convincing, and moving, for sure. Uh, so here's, uh, here's this guy who had totally, like me, just totally thrown in the towel on the God idea. And, uh, and he's uh, a minister's son. So it said, our friend is a minister's son. He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration, business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide. These calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. Sorry, did I lose you? Oh, I thought I lost it for a second. Uh, Post-war disillusionment, ever more serious alcoholism, impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. One night when confined in a hospital, for me, one night when sitting on the floor in my closet hiding from, I guess, the beer fairy. I don't know what I was hiding from. He was approached by an alcoholic. This is, this is what we try to do with our 12-step calls. He was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. Our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. But later, alone in his room, he asked himself this question. Is it possible that all the religious people I have known are wrong? My grandma, my great-grandma, all, all these people at work, all these uh, AAers who are either sober and happy about it or all high on volume. I really don't know for sure. But man, I sure hope that they're not wrong that I'm the wrong one. While pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. Then like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out all else. Who are you to say there is no God? This man recounts that he tumbled out of bed to his knees. I didn't feel any kind of thunderbolt, I'll tell you that, but this idea of just get on my knees and ask, it might work for me like it did for this dude. So I just got on my knees and asked, even though I believed in nothing. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood. The barriers she had built through years were swept away. She stood in the presence of infinite power and love. She had stepped from bridge to shore. For the first time, she lived in conscious companionship with her creator. Thus was our friend's cornerstone fixed in place. No later vicissitude has shaken it. No matter what has happened in AA, good things, bad things, illnesses, people dying, none of it. The hope that if I just keep doing these steps, I'll just keep getting to be sober and happy about it, nothing can shake that. Other things in my life get shaken, but not that. If anything bad happens, Double down on the steps, and I guarantee you I feel better. Thus was our friend's cornerstone. Uh, oh, her alcoholic problem was taken away. 
It's like God took the trash out the back door while I wasn't looking. That's what that felt like to me. That very night, years ago, it disappeared. Save for a few brief moments of temptation, the thought of drink has never returned. Like, I thought at 4th of July, oh, a, a beer looks so happy for the 4th. Wait a minute, what are you thinking? That's bad crazy. Okay, go find a drunk lady. Like, I'm not saying I never thought of it or was never tempted, but that sanity in 11 that returned, in 10 that returned, that's what that looks like. It's like, oh, if I think of it, I'm like, ew, okay, I got to go call my sponsor, help a drunk lady, do some praying, you know, uh, read chapter five, whatever. Uh, seemingly, he, she couldn't drink even if she would. God had restored her sanity. What is this but a miracle of healing? Yet its elements are simple, the 12 steps. Circumstances made her willing to believe. She humbly offered herself to her maker. Then she knew. Work the steps first, then I knew. Even so, has God restored us all to our right minds. To this man, the revolution, uh, revelation was sudden, but to some, uh, some of us grow into it more slowly. But he has come to all who have honestly saw him. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. And that idea that mine wasn't sudden and earth-shaking, there's an asterisk on the bottom of, um, I think it's, uh, yeah, there's an asterisk on the bottom of page 47 that says, please be sure to read Appendix 2 on spiritual experience. I had to read that a bunch of time because, uh, times because my uh, spiritual experience, it wasn't sudden and earth-shaking. It was uh, more like an awakening, slow and steady. And uh, with each step, it grew a tiny bit more. So um, I'm Sarah. That's, uh, that's my uh, chapter four gig. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book Workshop. This recording is not associated with any AA group or AA World Services. Find out more at ladiesbigbook.com.